Welcome to the Rare Sense Podcast. This is Chris Irwin. Before we get going today, remember that Rare Sense content is not medical advice, nor does it represent the official position or opinions of any other organization or person. If you require diagnosis or treatment for a mental or physical issue or illness, please seek it from a licensed professional. Today, I'm speaking with Brian Rivera. Brian is the founder and president of Military Mobility, a nonprofit specializing in off-road expeditions and resiliency training for veterans. Their mission is to increase health and wellness amongst this demographic and reduce their suicide rate. This is done by putting them back in a team environment that fosters camaraderie and trust and inspires the realization that any challenge, no matter how great, can be overcome. Brian is also a retired Navy SEAL Mustang officer, husband, and father who served for over 22 years in the military. He has an MBA from the University of Virginia, professional training from the Wharton School of Business, and a background in corporate mentorship, training, and diplomatic relations. He's also passionate about playing guitar and photography. During our conversation, we touch on veteran transition, using tactile challenges to improve mental health, not tying your identity to your past, finding purpose through codifying your values, achieving success with honor, resilience training for kids, being your authentic self, your gifts and your passions, team building, problem solving, and other topics. I've known Brian for over 25 years and thoroughly enjoyed discussing how he continues to serve through his work. I highly encourage you to listen to this episode if you are a veteran. If not, I think you will enjoy it regardless. Without further ado, here's Brian Rivera. Okay, Brian, what's up, man? How's it going? Hey, happy to be here. It's great yeah. to see you. Always good to see you, dude. And you look, uh, you have less hair than I think last time I saw you. Not I in a necessarily bad way. I think like, you know, <laughs> intentionally removing it <laughs> looks like. Yeah, you know, it's getting a little dusty up top and uh, it's the game. So it's, it, you know, it's there, but whatever. So I'm trying something new. <laughs> okay. So give everybody kind of a background on you and, um, and what you're doing now specifically, because that's going to be the, I think the focus of the conversation here, but just a little bit background, obviously professionally, um, where you come from, your retired military, and then kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, um, I spent 23 years in the SEAL teams, uh, was enlisted for 16 of it, officer for the remainder, uh, commissioned as a warrant officer. Yeah, had an, an incredible career. It was my life's dream to do ever since I was seventh, seventh grade. I read a Reader's Digest article about uh, Patia, John Connors, passed away, and I said, I want to be a Navy SEAL and go to SEAL Team 4. And that's exactly ended up what ended up happening. Um, when, you know, you got to pick your top three when you're in training. So I got to go there and, yeah, this dream come true. You know, injuries and life kind of got in the – came up too, and maybe different things become important. So I retired in June of 2020. Um, and then since 2017, I've been running a veteran nonprofit called Military Mobility which is about increasing health and wellness for veterans, suicide prevention. Uh, so that's my full-time gig now of running that. And I think we should just let everybody know, you and I, although we never really worked together in the military, we went through uh, SEAL training together. We went through BUDS together. So we're BUDS that's classmates. We've known each other for 25 years. I was thinking about this this morning. <laughs> that was 25 years ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we've known each other for a very, very long time. And um, so with that being said, so talk about military mobility, like what got you into that? Because I think it's such a cool 
idea and it's so unique. I don't know that there's other companies out there doing something like what you're doing. Well, sure. And, uh, and thank you. Um, so I was, I got an incredible opportunity. I was the, you know, I commissioned as a warrant officer and I was a training officer at one of the SEAL teams. And um, I got a, just an incredible opportunity to go to graduate school. So I got an MBA from University of Virginia, Darden School of Business. And, and why I think that's important is it was this kind of pause or ability to take a knee um, and time away from the deployments and the kind of like rush. I mean, I, I still was doing my full-time job. You know, I say full-time family, full-time work, full-time school. But being exposed to the, the cohort and all that, um, it gave me an opportunity to kind of roll some things around. Um, dealing with the loss of, you know, more than a few friends and teammates in the, in the SEAL teams kind of hit me hard. Um, I was also dealing with personal injury. I'm very thankful that I'm still alive. Um, 10 fingers, 10 toes. Um, but I identified with myself of being this athlete, you know, run these Ironmans and 100 mile races. And like, I could just, I was invincible. I could do anything. Uh, but injuries have kind of taken their toll, you know, three spinal surgeries and the shoulders done, had my legs ripped open. I was in a wheelchair for a little while. I had to learn how to walk again. And I was kind of thinking, okay, where's this all going? And and understanding that retirement was was looming for me, deciding what I wanted to do. And it was kind of this realization of like, do I just get out and make money now? Like my entire adult life had been about something bigger than myself. And I wanted to keep that going, um, that, that team environment. Um, so I looked in the nonprofit world and I saw really two distinct sides of it. And on one side, I called it great content delivered poorly. Um, this kind of classroom <laughs> based stuff. It, it, I mean, it briefs really well. It sells really well. Uh, but from my observations, it just doesn't resonate so much with the veterans going through it. Maybe a little bit too much, too fast, that type of thing. And then on the other side of the spectrum, I saw this really fun experience, like the hunting, the fishing, all that stuff. Um, but with nothing really behind it. And, and, you know, I'm looking, I'm going, Hey, it's great that they're taking their mind off their problems, but when they get back home, they're dealing with the same stuff they had before. So it almost makes this like perpetual, woe is me veteran, what I call like the career veteran. They're just, you know, putting off the inevitable bouncing from program to program, thing to thing. And, and I mean, and who can fault you? Because after all, who, who wouldn't want to escape the problems? Um, so I, I bridge the gap in good warrant officer fashion with experiential training, which is much the way we, you know, learn in the SEAL teams and in the military by and large, you learn by doing. Uh, so my graduate school, you know, prop capstone project was military mobility. And I got a, I got an incredible response to it. And um, so much so, and I became so kind of, you know, uh, pumped up about it. I go, well, heck, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Um, and we, went out and ran the first one and have never stopped since, you know, um, to talk a little bit about the program itself. Uh, it's a five day curriculum. Why? Because human beings are creatures of habit. I say you drive the same roads home, you park in the same driveway, you walk up the same stairs and you think the same thoughts. So I need to physically rip you out of that environment to introduce new habits for positive health and wellness. The veterans have a, roles and responsibilities when they, they come to us. So you're the, you're the team leader for the day or your supply, logistics, navigation. Um, and, and we're really holding them accountable for their skill sets. And it's nothing massive, but it allows us to give some structure and theme to, to what we're doing for the programming, to the curriculum. 
So if you're a navigation lead for the day, we're going, hey, here's where we are and here's where you're going. You know, back brief in about a half hour, like you can make some wrong turns, it's gonna be a long day. So it's kind of this, hey, it's not carrying a gun that made you special. You know, it's the fact that you can improvise, adapt, overcome and looking at those qualities. So we, um, each day we have a theme. We work on trust, team building, operations management, leadership and strategy. And it's all in the name of, again, helping to kind of translate those skill sets because they're so attached to who they they were and not who they are. And maybe taking a broader look at, at what made them powerful, which is yeah. how the veterans identify with themselves. Um, and I like to tell people, like, if, if I look at myself as a Navy SEAL, well, as of now, two and a half, whatever years ago, like I'm, I'm no longer a Navy SEAL. But if I look at myself and go, hey, I'm loyal, I'm determined. I'm steadfast, I'm creative. Those are things that are not going away because your job title, well, you can, you can quit, you can retire, you can get fired, you can get hurt, right? A bunch of things, but you want to make your identity something permanent. And I, I think that's really important because as I looked into one, the suicide rate, which initially I thought was all these like horrific combat experiences. Um, but for the most part, that really wasn't, wasn't it. Um, and I was trying to wrap my head around it and I realized, well, these people are no longer in that team environment. They've kind of lost their identity. Um, you know, they're, they're at home, uh, the spouse is at work, the kids are at school and they might be looking out this gorgeous view and going, well, I could take my dog for a walk. I could do a workout. I could send emails. I could work on my truck or I could do none of that. It just doesn't matter. Like there's no, there's no purpose, there's no timeline, there's no focus, no one's knocking on the door, the phone's not ringing, and that void is filled perfectly just by all these stress symptoms, the PTSD stuff and the hypervigilance and awareness, and then you add you know, pills and booze and people are pulling the trigger. So our, our main goal is getting ahead of that. Yeah. Boy, there's so much there's so much out of that that I want to kind of go back to. For, um, yeah. First off, can you just clarify? There might be people that don't understand even the concept of mobility in this regard. Oh, right? like, yeah. like there's a whole bunch of people within certainly like the CrossFit community. Mobility means sort of stretching, right? And the ability to, to move yeah. your body. In your case, it really means vehicles and oh, like, well, a little bit of both. That was kind of the play on play on words. Was um I, I was looking for something when we came up with the name that was readily identifiable to military people. Most so most people in the military understand that the word mobility means it's a platform for transportation, essentially, that can get you from A to B. Largely it can be vehicles, it can be, you know, boats that we have, mobility platforms, it can be airplanes, it can be dog sleds or dirt bikes, anything. And that's really the magic of what we have with our curriculum of overlaying it to these different mobility platforms. We have a winter course coming up outside Jackson Hole in March. We're going to be using snowmobiles. Um, and then with the kind of play on words where I was, you know, struggling to find mobility in my life where I, I simply couldn't get around like I used to be able to. My wife, Jen, was talking about a time after I had my leg operation where I was, we lived in San Diego. Our house was four stories, small but tall from the garage to the top floor. I sat down, broke down, Chris, and like in tears because I could not get up and down the stairs. Yeah. But, you know, just prior, I'm, I'm doing an Ironman. Um, and I like, I didn't know who I was anymore. And I, I had to constantly struggle to, to gain that mobility back in my life. Um, and, and I think for a lot of us, when we're used to achieving, you know, certain level of whatever it was, um, 
and then you got to start at the bottom. It's, it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. You know, like you take a, a half a second off an Olympic athletes track time and he's, he's running at the local high school, you know? Um, so from afar to people that maybe don't understand the level of performance that we're talking about, it, it can be just devastating for people. And it was for me. Yeah. And I think uh, there's a point that you made in there about, <clears throat> it's something I talk about, which is post-military for a lot of people, myself included, we, we feel like the job is what defined us in a lot of ways, right? It's like, that's the, once that job is gone, it's like, I have no purpose, just like you mentioned. And the reality is, no, the job aligned with your values in a lot of ways. And what you need to get back to is defining those values, which is why I'm such a big proponent of creating a personal, personal mission statement or a mantra or something like that. Like you got to really dig in, codify, reify your values. Like you may never have never even thought about that explicitly to think, what do I really stand for? Like what really matters to me? But once you do that, you can then apply that to anything, whether any job, right? Anything you're doing in life. And I think that we just, we lose sight of that because we've been so wrapped up in something for so long that we feel like that's what defines us, right? And I think that that's really important. What kind of, what you're doing is you're saying, look, all these things that mattered to you, teamwork and problem solving and, you know, that kind of stuff can apply here or apply wherever in this job or with your family. And you, <laughs> so you don't have to, you don't have to like latch it on to some profession and make that your defining characteristic for the rest of your life. Right. I, th I heard some quote the other day that I thought was so great and I'm going to screw it up. I won't be able to quote it for, verbatim, but it was like, you know, you're sort of not losing at life, but like once you become, once you define yourself by what you did and not what you can do, like you're sort of looking the wrong direction. Right. And that's, yeah. I, I mean, you're right on all points and, and you just see it in the veteran's eyes when they get out. A lot of times um, it's just this thing of like, well, nothing I'm ever going to do is going to take that. And then right. you point out whether you did some cool guy job like we did or some baseline job in the military, it's, it, that doesn't matter. It's the pride of service that the individual had that was just so immense. You can just see it, right? Um, and they, they feel like nothing's going to top that. And, and we're big on preaching to go big again. Like if your dreams don't scare the crap out of you, they're not, they're not big enough. Like life is not over just because we got out of the military, right? And many of us become kind of institutionalized to that whole process in a way uh, because it's just all we know. Um, but, you know, that, that magic, that passion, that excitement, it's all inside of you might need to be revived here and there. And I think a lot of the things that, you know, maybe now as you're getting older and, I, I, you know, you could be in for two years and uh, you hurt your legs and you had to get out or you're in for 35 years and retirement was was imminent. Uh, the result is the same. You're no longer in that, that team environment. But I think a lot of the reasons we did things, we didn't. It was very intuitive. And, and now maybe you need to make this kind of formal process, right? This mission statement or what have you. It's a formal process for things that were always informally done. Yeah. Um, in, in your youth, you almost, you know, it, you took things for granted and may, maybe almost even pissed on them a little bit <laughs> just because, you know, it's just like it was youth and it was automatic and it was just happening. It was in the moment. Um, and now, it, it's, it's different. You know, your body changes, your mind changes, different things become important 
Um, and when we're, you know, we help a bit with transition with the veterans as far as, you know, going big again and, and, and we've done job placement. And I'll tell, I'll tell the, the guys and gals and go, hey, geographically, you can choose where you're going to live. You know, you could pick your salary range. You could pick enjoyment of the people you work with or enjoyment of the type of work you're going to do. You're most likely not going to get them all. So, you know, rank them accordingly. And you get yep. some guy going, well, I had all that in the military. I'm like, well, why are you getting out? He's like, well, I go, well, my body was breaking down and my marriage was getting thin. Like, those are my reasons. What's yours, man? Like, you got to yeah. face that because often the reason a veteran will tell you and tell themselves is not the real reason they're getting out. Yeah. And they kind of lie to themselves, but they, yeah. and, and maybe not, you know, wittingly, unwittingly, but they got to face that stuff and explore that a little bit before they can kind of move, move on. I think it's a very important process that a lot of programs don't focus on so much. It's just kind of like, okay, you're getting out. Let's get your LinkedIn. Do this, blah, 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 yeah. Boom, and you're on your way. You're a civilian now. And you're like, it's just crazy. So dig a little bit more into the actual curriculum curriculum that you've got going on, right? So five days, you said, how many people go through it once? Where is it? What kind of vehicles are you doing? What are some of the challenges that you put before people, you know? Yeah, a nationwide organization. So meaning we can take veterans from all over the place, wherever you are. We primarily have been running courses in Utah, Wyoming, um, like the Bighorn Mountains, Jackson Hole, Moab, Utah, um, the Wasatch, the Uinta Mountains out there. Um, we go on the Rubicon Trail, um, thanks to our incredible sponsors, Jeep Jamboree USA, um, and a few other places. And we'll... We'll fly them. If they're local, they can drive in. We'll fly them all over the place. Um, you can be all from every branch of service. You know, you don't have to be any you know specific branch or a specific MOS or, or, or job. Um, I want to mention that the programs are completely free for the veterans. Um, we admit based on need. Approval goes before our board of directors. We'll do a consultation process. Um, as we're, we're waiting for the course to come up and kind of see what they're looking to get out of it. Um, mainly three different kinds of veterans, um, you know, folks are dealing with, you know, maybe some stress issues, emotional stuff, uh, physical injury, kind of, you know, overcoming that. Um, and then the, the third group, you know, might not be any kind of certified wounded warrior or something. You don't need to be. Um, I think they just need like maybe a Kickstarter uh, of coming out and being around that group dynamic again, um, inspirational, focus, like just great things happen when you get these veterans together. And we keep it a very small and intimate group, eight, 10, 12. Typically oh, wow. Happy. So it's really small. It is. Um, and, and, and that's for a reason. I, I've kind of noticed, you know, like anything else, you get, you get 30, 40 people there. It becomes, hey, you, and, and maybe I'm not as comfortable opening up. But if we make it a really small, intimate group, I think over that time, usually, you know, it's around day three, people are, you know, staring at nature's TV at the campfire at night and, and you know, maybe in so many words talking about the, some of the and, depression they've had and, and, and thinking about doing something, you know. Uh, and do you have, are there like licensed counselors that are there or this is this purely just a, hey, we're going to extemporaneously see what people 
open up about and talk about yeah, amongst themselves. Not. We do that on purpose. Um, okay. Now we do have counselors in on the application process, and that's how we've kind of checked the boxes with everything to determine, you know, there's certain criteria if, if maybe they okay, maybe this person's a little too high risk or something. And and that's been very few. I think there's only been one or two of those cases in our entire time. Um, and, and, and never saying no, but maybe not right now. Maybe let's look into this or, or what have you. Um, it's been my observation, the other staff and the, and the board that, you know, and, and there's so many different amazing programs I want to say that are out there. So I think it, it's, it's great. You know, they bring up veteran nonprofit space. I think it's great that there's a, a thousand of them or more because it's something for everybody. Um, our experience has been a lot of veterans, you kind of get a quote unquote counselor in front of them with, the, you know, the clipboard and the thing. And well, this is a private conversation, but if you say something that's outside the bounds, I'm you know obligated to report it. Like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> All right. it's, just, it's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. They just relate to us because we're veterans ourselves. Um, you know, I, I've been running training my entire adult life with a thing. So I, I kind of know how to create these aha moments on a budget, on the timeline, get this desired end state for this. Um, it just ends up being a very, very healthy environment. Um, so yeah, that's not on that. So small groups, we run about, depending on funding, uh, you know, four, six, eight courses a year. Um, and then a bunch of other smaller events that we'll have. We have partner events with other, other nonprofits and, and, you know, vendor shows and all that type of stuff that we'll do. Um, as far as the vehicles you're asking, we have a fleet of 10 right now. We have five Jeeps, three Jeep Wranglers, one Grand Cherokee and one diesel Jeep Gladiator, the pickup, which is really awesome. Uh, we have four Land Rovers, three Land Rover LR3s, one Discovery 2 that recently uh, we picked up, got donated, which was amazing. Um, and then our, uh, our Ford F450, which tows around our, our truck camper, which is massive. It's the biggest one they make. We have a triple car carrier. We have a single car carrier. We've got enclosed trailers, um, which all helps in, in making this base camp that we use the national, national forests and public lands for, you know, to run our courses. So we have a very low to no overhead model in that regard. Um, and I was very conscious of that. So if we're not actively running a course, we're not dumping a bunch of unnecessary funds on anything. Um, we don't really put a lot of money towards marketing at all. Um, it's all word of mouth. And, and we still have a, a pretty large waiting list, which you know gives me stress every day because I want to bring these veterans in and keep, keep doing this stuff. Um, so now, know, how are you, how are you funding it? Is, are you fundraising just through donations? Is there a for-profit side to things where you're offering the same type of course to non-veterans? Uh, so a few different things. We, we start out with kind of the, you know, and what maintains the, the, the mom and pop donations, which are, which are, are great, but it just wasn't enough, at least for us to kind of be able to run the programs that we, that we want. And I'll, I'll point out we're, we're an all volunteer organization. Now there's times where we'll, like there's no salaries is, is what I'm getting at. Like, you know, we have somebody come out, like one of the chefs come out, they might get some, you know, paid per day for something for what they're there for. But largely our kind of internal staff and instructors are all volunteer coming in because this is what they want to be a part of. It's amazing. Um, and uh, actually you and I had a conversation some time back about moving, growing, progressing into, into other things to be able to. Yeah. 
of benefits. Yeah. And, and that's definitely on the horizon for us, but we're not quite there yet. Um, so we have a, a grant writer that we um, picked up about two years ago. She's amazing. So she helps out with foundational grants for us. Um, so that helps us run things largely. We could not do it without that. Um, some of our sponsors, such as I mentioned Cheap Jamboree USA and Killcliff. I think you've heard of those guys before. <laughs> yeah, I know them pretty well. They're, they're really great at, at helping support us as well. Um, and then there's just you know too much to list right here, but a bunch of other partners and sponsors that help us out with goods and equipment. Uh, the Tokwiti Lodge outside Jackson Hole, where we're going to be running the snowmobile course, they donate the cabins, the food, the snowmobiles, the fuel. Like It's just incredible. These people have the biggest heart in the world. Um, so it's a lot of partnerships like that that enable us to make things happen uh, for sure. So all these volunteers that are running this, then they have other full-time jobs that they're committed to. They do. Um, and or they're independently wealthy and they don't, they don't have to work. Um, it, it, I've kind of have this, um, you know, four to make one that might sound familiar to you rotation of people. So say we're going to have a, a staff photographer come out. Cause it's a lot of fun to, you know, give guys pictures of themselves, wheeling, all this type yeah, of stuff. Yeah. I'll call up, you know, Derek's one of our guys. Derek, we got the trip. Here's the time. You know, we know him pretty well in advance. I'm booked. This guy, he's awesome. He's doing stuff for Black Rifle and all this. I'm doing an Alaskan sheep hunt. Can't make it. Eh, okay, no big deal. I called the next guy. I called the next guy. Yep. What we've noticed, one of those four will be able to make it. Now, you know, we take care of their trip expenses for coming out, but their time is, is their own. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how we do it with the staff and everything. It's a lot of massaging and, and, and making it work. So that's what we do. You asked about some of the curriculum. So I'll give an example. If we're working on, say, trust or communications, we'll have the vehicles and the vehicle routing might be going through a a sandy wash and the vehicles are, you know, spread apart and all this type of stuff. And there's sand berms and you have a, a spotter outside the vehicle and there's this kind of communication going on between the spotter and the navigator and the navigator and the driver and all this. Um, and it's a lot to unpack, which we do at our nightly fireside chats. But the driver might be, you know, up in the air, looking up at the blue sky, feeling like he's going to go off a cliff. And it, it might be a cliff. <laughs> um, but, you know, the spotter is outside the vehicle with this kind of clear perspective going, gun it, man. You got to go. You got to go. And it's like ugh, this inherent, like, I have to trust this person. Yeah, yeah. To- thing that physically is making me uncomfortable right like a, like a trust fall right where you gotta, you gotta yeah, fall back yeah. and someone's gonna catch you that's, that's a great I hadn't, it's it's a really cool technical trust fall and there's a lot to overcome there and we're we're purposely inducing stress because stress is a good thing right too much anything's bad for you so we're, we're putting them in vehicles which i think that's it's important because typically most americans get in a vehicle nearly every single day and what they think is possible in the vehicle is this kind of known quantity. Mm-hmm. And we get them in the vehicle and you go, hey, go over this obstacle. And the, their first reaction, you see, they're like, I, I can't do that. You know, and they, you know, there's apprehension, um, right? A little ego coming in. Like they don't want to embarrass themselves. They don't want to ruin your truck. They don't want to roll it in a ravine. They don't want to hurt their, their you know, the, the navigator that's with them, whatever it's going to be. And they're going over this thing and, and, you know, they, they get over it and there's kind of this moment of elation, kind of let the hair down, so to speak. Um, but then there's another obstacle and another obstacle 
So I'm literally doing reps with them throughout the day and throughout the trails and every trail we're on, everything has a specific purpose. Um, and then they, you know, come back to the camp, debrief, kind of reset. And each day is building upon the last to build that, you know, resiliency is the buzz, buzzword in the nonprofit world now, but it, it just means the ability to kind of, you know, be strong and pliable and come back from this to be durable. Yeah. Uh, and we've noticed really great results with, with that. Yeah. One thing I want to mention here, just in passing, because it, it's come up a couple of times, which is there, I think we have a feeling as veterans or a lot of veterans do, and myself included, of when you come from a job that is service oriented, you almost feel like you can't go be successful. Like it's dishonorable or something like that to go do that, right? Like I have to find some job, like kind of what you, what you're doing, where I'm giving it my all and I'm doing all this work, but I'm not getting paid anything because being successful is somehow bad or dishonorable or something like that. And I just think that's a, a mindset we all need to get out of, right? There's, there's a difference. Those are completely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like when, when we, we've talked about this before about like, Hey, maybe inject a, or, you know, obviously your time is limited and <laughs> there's constraints here, but coming up with a way that where there's, that's profitable. And maybe that helps pay for the nonprofit side of it or whatever. Like that's a complete, but the, the, the overall point there is I think a lot of times we feel like we, those things are um, mutually exclusive, right? Like it's being honorable, so to speak, and being successful can't work together. Right. And I just think that that's not true. Right. I say this, I've said this to people before. I think like, I would love to see nothing more than every fortune 500 company out there run by a veteran, super successful, right. And does, does great. You can do that and not sort of betray your past or like, you know, be dishonorable in the process. And I just think that's a mentality that we, we have to get out of as veterans. Cause I think it holds people back and we need these people. Like these are people that are super capable um, and have done great things. And it's like, we, we want them to go out into the world and like crush it and, and find the new widget that everybody loves or whatever it may be. Right. And they don't have to do that for free is my point. Absolutely. Well, you know, the, um, that conversation um, sparks some, some thought of something that we have been doing recently and we're, and we're, we're doing it a bit more now, uh, which is kind of the third leg of our, our fundraising campaign. So I mentioned we have the grant writer and we have kind of mom and pop donations some of these organizations, we've been running two different programs. One is corporate adventure retreats, small teams, elite executives, leadership development, team building, what have you. Um, largely, you know, roughly based, the same type of programming we're doing with the veterans out there, but you know, more specified for what the corporate world's looking for. We have some really great, like, I mean, we've ran some incredible programs with uh, really remarkable feedback. And then we've been running... Uh, the same type of programs for uh, children, for, for kids' schools. Oh, which cool. is quickly blowing up and can become more than I can handle. So we're having conversations about how we can we can scale that. How does um, that work? What, they, they're not driving trucks, obviously, if they're kids. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. Um, so as, as an example, we've had a, a couple of different private schools come out. Um, and what they really were attracted to was our experiential learning of not just coming out and doing this fun event, but, you know, hey, Timmy, you're the, you're the team leader today. And, and Sarah, you're going to be navigation, all these things. Uh, we got the Land Rovers all set up and we're going through Yellowstone. We've been doing eight day programs door to door. Uh, I'll name all the activities like 
horsemanship and not just a trail ride, right? Which is what we're trying to get away from with the, the off-road stuff. We might, I might mention to somebody what we're doing. They go, oh, that's like, and they name some other kind of off-road thing. I go, nah, a lot of that stuff's like, follow the dummy ahead of you. Right, where you're just a passenger, right? Let's go, let's, yeah, let's go yeah. to the ledge, have a high five and a ham sandwich, you know, <laughs> and then do it again next year. It wasn't that fun. Like, this is nothing like that. But the children, middle schoolers, high schoolers are fully involved in what's going on. So, you know, whitewater rafting and, and, and fly fishing and navigation. We do a thing with search and rescue. We do like a mock rescue and they're learning about basics of how to navigate with a compass and topography. And they're going out there and conducting the rescue. And it's a lot of fun. And, you know, they're, I mean, from catching the fish to cleaning the fish to cooking the fish and all this stuff. Every night we're having one match fires and flint and steel. Um, so it's just really, really invaluable. And then a lot of science. Um, we have wildlife biologists come out. We've been doing uh, wolf collaring, looking at the bighorn sheep, dealing with the you know geography and the history of, of the land. So that's, it's just been really fulfilling. Everyone, both staff and our guests that come through, have a, a remarkable time. And we've been invited this April to go to GEBG, Global Education something something. Um, it's a conference in Washington, DC for educators. And we're gonna give a presentation um, about how we've been running experiential training for children. That's awesome. Well, you know, one thing I, I wanted to just kind of um, mention, which was what we were, we were talking about, um, the veterans getting out, maybe not wanting to make money, so to speak, and all that. Yeah. I one thing I'll kind of share with some of the people going through the, the course, and we can have active duty and have had active duty people come out too. Um, okay. We've been approved. I don't know if I told you, uh, we've been approved for uh, the SOCOM Care Coalition internships. Oh, cool. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so we're actually having a, an NSW member take a look at that right now. And so really incredible. Um, but I guess the, the, the point is, like, I kind of say like if, if you're past all the reasons you joined the military and if you're past all the reasons you reinvented for yourself to stay in the military, well, then it might be time at looking out, you know, yeah. getting out. And I, I think that's important to let yourself understand that over time, different things may become important. The, the little, little people at home and all this type of stuff. And then I'll tell you this, on the day I retired, <clears throat> June 1st, 2020, I woke up, I'm still living in Virginia Beach, and uh, I normally, and it's not a good habit, I crack the laptop when I kind of first get up, and I just try to, I try to finish my day before it starts, barrage through stuff and all that, and I go, you know, I'm going to have a coffee and just sit on the front porch, watch the sun's coming up, and just kind of reflect for a second. And I was kind of like, all right, I'm a civilian now. How's it feel? Like the air is different, all this stuff. <laughs> that's good, man. Most people wouldn't even do that. I th that's a really healthy thing to do. Thoughts kind of just naturally drifted into my head. And one was, I never thought, and not in a morbid way, but I never thought I was going to survive all the years of the you know, combat deployments and all this stuff and all that type of stuff. <clears throat> but I'm going, well, that didn't happen. Here I am. And then the other thing was, even though I might talk about it, and even though I might plan a bit, I secretly never was going to get out of the military, the SEAL teams. Like, I loved it that much. That was my, it's my life. That was my, it was everything. But I'm sitting there going, well, 
that didn't happen. And it was just this kind of raw moment of, you know, I was like these two assumptions I had my entire adult life. Yeah. I carried these things for my whole adult life. They were wrong. They didn't happen. Um, and it was just this kind of raw moment of honesty with myself about going, all right, like, I don't know what the future holds and let's figure it out. And I'll tell you, it was kind of cool to just go like, you know, I, I can go in any direction. I can do anything. I can be anything. Cause you know, you're in the military thing. It's like, Oh, for the next three years, I'm this guy. Cause I'm in this role. And then I'm going to go here and go this. So it's like, you have this burden of these timelines and all these things going on that you're going to do because you're the guy that makes things happen. But now it's like, man, I could walk left or I could walk right. Like whatever I do is all kind of on me. Um, yep. It puts an enormous amount of responsibility on you. Yeah, and I've had my bad days too, where I'm walking around. And I'm like, hey, I'm just another schmuck in Walmart right now. Like the world does not care about me, you know. Yeah, um, but it, I don't know. So I, I just kind of want to share that. If that resonates with anybody listening. Yeah, well, I think what you're touching on is something that I talk about, which is when you're in a job like the military or a first responder, right, a firefighter or a cop or frontline worker, whatever it may be. Really, a lot of professions. You are, if you're good at that job, you're good at problem solving, right? There's all these problems that are constantly coming at you. Now, granted, all of life is problem solving, basically. Like every, even when you wake up and figure out what you're going to eat for breakfast, that's a tiny problem that you're solving in the moment. We don't think of it that way, but that's basically what it is. But those jobs, it's a lot of high pressure, high intensity problems that come at you, but it's all external, right? Like that focus is external to you. And you spend years and years and years doing that, like solving these complicated or complex or high uh, stress problems that come at you. And then when that job ends, that lifestyle ends, those problems kind of go away and you're faced with like your own problems for the first time for a lot of us. And we're not very good at that for whatever no. reason. And I don't know why that is, but it seems like we struggle so hard with facing our own problems. It's like all of a sudden that energy is internal and you're like, fuck, I don't know how to deal with this. So we come up with distractions like you were talking about before. It's like, I'm just not going to deal with it in whatever way. I'm going to work out super hard or I'm going to, like you said, I'm just going to go off and fish, which is fine. Like none of those things are bad or wrong. But at some point you have to focus on yourself and sort out those problems, whatever they may be. You know, maybe you don't have a lot and that's fine. It's not to say that everybody's screwed up, but I think you need to take some time. And this is the thing people say to me, like I've had multiple people say this to me, like take some time to focus on you. You spent a lot of time serving others, helping others, helping a large community and the country or whatever it may be. Take like it matters to so, to focus your energy on yourself for a little amount of time. And that will in turn create a better environment for the people around you, for your family, for your kids, for oh, yeah. your coworkers, wherever you're working. But that's okay. Like you, like <laughs> that's a good thing to do. Right. And I just think for some reason we feel like it's not, it's either not valuable or again, it's not worth my time or somehow it's being selfish or something like that. Right. So I just think that that's, it's such an important thing oh, to do. No, that it, I mean, that was amazing. Amazing what you're sharing there. And that, that, that reminded me when you talk about some friends would, would tell you 
Um, I had a friend, um, he was my big wave surfing partner. So for the history, one of seals since a little kid, I did so much diving, cold weather surfing, I couldn't join the Navy right out of high school. They, they're like, screw the SEAL team. Like, you can't join the military, kid. And I was heartbroken. So I Wait, out, why? I don't, wait, I'm not, I'm not following what the reason. I couldn't join the military out of, out of high school because my ear, I had two ear operations. Oh, okay. My okay. ears were done. Like, yeah. just, I'd blown them out. You know, I basically blame bad TV on this. Um, you know, Karate Kid had Mr. Miyagi and Van Damme had some dude dropping coconuts on his abs and all that. I was like, well, I want to be a warrior guy. Like, yeah, my dad's really cool. You know, yeah. he's a research and development for AT&T. Like, I got to learn this stuff. I'm behind the power curve. So I, I grabbed scuba tanks. I grew up on the ocean and no instruction, no anything. Went out to open water. I'm down to like 170 feet. Oh, oh my God. My out. <laughs> Chris, I don't know if I ever told. I broke all the blood vessels. And in my here, eye. here we are talking about what a smart guy you are. And oh uh, yeah, <laughs> oh. and uh, you know it's hard charger. And um, I, I remember. Do you remember the Oakley frog skins? Those glasses that were like the cool sunglasses. I had them. I was in high school, and I remember my English teacher, Mrs. Cooper, was like, "Brian, take your glasses off." I was like, "No." She goes, "Take them off." And I take them off. She goes, "Okay, you can put them back on." <laughs> all the blood yeah. vessels were broken. It was, I looked like the devil. It was crazy. Yep. So, you know, I was pushing it so hard and training and doing all these crazy things um, of what I thought I needed to do to become, you know, a SEAL. And then heartbroken, I couldn't do this. So I, I went to my next love, which was surfing. So I was literally living in a van with a wolf dog, you know, misadventures of Brian Rivera. And I, I kept on trying to join the Navy every six months. Um, and I ended up being a luthier. I was hand-making acoustic guitars for Taylor Guitars out there. I'd gone to the doctor and he was like, Hey, what's wrong with your ears? I was like, Oh, I'm just really sick right now. He's like, okay. And he signed the paperwork. And I remember thinking like, well, that was a dream I had when I was a kid. So I was thinking I was 20, almost 21. And you feel like you're old then. I was like, do I still want to do this? And I, you know, it was like, yeah, I do. So I sanded my last guitar and put it up on the shelf and, and just walked out um, and went and joined the military. But um, that's the backstory. But I had this big wave surfing partner, a guy named Murph. And so Murph knew me before I was this cool guy. Like when I was a you know, long haired hippie dude, then we would surf big waves. We, you know, we hit the swell January 28th, 1998, four days before I came in the Navy. Uh, it was called Big Wednesday. Hawaii, you know, Hawaii was like 30 something foot. Ken Bradshaw's you know, credited with surfing the largest wave at that time. We were out. It was, it was 20, 25 foot. Um, so he, he knew me for me is the point. And he saw this progression in me growing up throughout the military. And he gives me this call. He goes, Hey, heard you're, heard you're retiring. Good for you. He goes, I want to talk to you about choice. And I want to talk to you about preference. He goes, I might ask you where you want to go to dinner tonight. And you were like, I don't care. I was like, Murph, I, I wouldn't care. He goes, but it's okay to say, I'd like to go get Thai food. Yeah. Because we're starting to talk about you now. And, you know, you're, you know, when it's your own problems, you're paralyzed with this stuff. If it's for you, whether it's making money or making a decision for you, it's paralyzed. He goes, what I'm getting at is if you go on a job interview, can you tell them what they want to hear to get the job? He goes, I'm sure of it. He goes, can you do the job? I'm absolutely sure of it. Do you want to do the job? Yep. He goes, this is a time for you to develop parts of yourself that you may have stifled in lieu of, you know, these other things, the teamwork, the mission accomplishment and all that. Like this is your time to make your decisions and go your own way, which can be devastating, right? To, to some people. 
Um, and I, I really appreciate the conversation, especially coming from such a longtime trusted friend, you know, who's a civilian and just kind of saw this happening over a lifetime. I just held a lot of value um, into that for sure. And, and Chris, I got to tell you, like one thing I'm really passionate about music and something I, I love about you, your ability to perform and what you're doing. Like I've always been a closet musician. All my friends have been in bands when I was, you know, and um, I just absolutely love it. And to see all the progress you've made in this like musical world, inspiring people. And it's an inspiration myself too. So I, I just think that's really cool. Yeah, that's always been something that you and I have in common. Did, did you ever feel like a fish out of water then kind of in the military? Like, because you're, you're somebody who is create, nah, I shouldn't say creative because like, obviously there's lots of people in the military are creative, but that kind of musician artsy, I guess, maybe kind of thing is not typical, I guess. Maybe that's wrong too. I don't know. I guess in, in my own circumstance, I always felt like the things I gravitate, let me say it this way, the things I gravitate towards, music, kind of, I'm not somebody who loves fighting or weapons or any, like I like kind of creative outlets, art type things. And that's, I've all, because of that, I've always felt like I'm a little bit of a fish out of water being in the military, or I've always almost felt like an outsider, no matter what, like I grew up in a, uh, I went to a very liberal high school in Massachusetts, like just kind of very sort of liberal upbringing, but I'm the guy who went in the military. So it was kind of the weirdo there. And then in the military, I'm sort of the guy who doesn't have any tattoos and doesn't have a motorcycle and doesn't own, <laughs> doesn't own any guns. Right. And then, so and that can be challenging. And I think everybody has that to some extent. It's my, it might not be that pronounced, but like, yeah. and getting to the, to, to kind of what you're saying there, which is getting to like being very honest with yourself of what you actually like, who you actually are, that authentic self thing, that idea is really important. Again, especially in a transition period to get back to like, who, like, who am I really? Right? Like who, what do I really want to do? And whatever that is communicating itself, communicating it honestly to yourself, like don't be honest with yourself. You know, well, I'll tell you when, when it all started out, I think like most young men or women, you know, I, I for me, it was all about physical challenges. I wanted to overcome things. You know, I, I remember I, I wanted to conquer the ocean. I grew up on the ocean. I was in it all the time. And, you know, you eventually learn you're lucky if it lets you live. Um, oh yeah. And, <laughs> That's again, true. Time and time again. Um, but it was all about pushing past my own limits. And, you know, I became addicted to that, of stepping outside my comfort zone and seeing that, you know, there was no limits to this stuff. So, okay, like I'm a, you know, I'm a badass in my hometown, but where do I stand up amongst the, you know, the world's best guys and all that? And I think that's where a lot of that interest came from, putting myself to the test. Yeah. But I would, to answer your question, I think this will hit it home. I would much rather be a professional musician traveling around the world, playing awesome music and inspiring people to go do great things. I would much rather be a professional surfer, just like testing myself, inspiring people, creating this artwork on the canvas that is a wave and all that. But I had to come to the realization that those things are my passions and they're not my gift. Like I'm pretty good, but I'm mm. not my world best. Now being a warrior is my gift. I will say, although I work hard at it and all that, like in a way, it's easy for me. It was very easy for me to do those things. And I don't mean easy, like I didn't have to try to run hard or something like that, but like 
I, you know, I fit there in that mold and I could do it, even though maybe it wasn't like who, who yeah. I thought I wanted to be. It's what my, I don't know, my calling was as far as your gift. And I don't, I don't think a lot of people in this world get to know what their true gift is. Um, and for me, it's like, hell, it, it's been proven. I've, I've been amongst the world's best warriors for over two decades. Like I've gone out there, I'm still here. I've done it. Right. And, and I think that's the difference. Like you, you got to go with your gift, at least for me. You know, hmm, That's interesting. Yeah. The only thing that I will say kind of contrary to that is okay. But then once that gift part of your life is over, right. That then we potentially get into that mindset of, Oh, well, I'm past the best days of my life, right? And that, and that I don't have anything to offer. It's never going to be as good as that. And I think that that's what we need to be careful to guard against because that's what I think gets people in the mentality of, you know, when I was, it's basically like the, remember I threw the game winning touchdown pass in high school when I was a starting quarterback. And it's like, that's the best moment of their life still. And they're talking about it yeah, 30 years after that. That's it, man. You know, what, what's that? Bruce Springsteen, glory days. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Now, that, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of answer it like this too. I, I think for me, you know, I, I'd grown up playing ice hockey. So I was always very much a, a team. People ask me, what's your favorite Navy SEAL movie? I go, Miracle. They go, the, the ice hockey movie? I go, <laughs> that's a great that movie. That movie is more about teamwork than yeah. anything else you're ever going to see. And that's what I've really valued was being on a team. Now, I love, I have my individual side, snowboarding and whatever it is, but, um, I've always loved being on a team. And when I was getting out, I was looking at consulting with McKinsey and Deloitte. And, um, I had a, uh, you know, kind of executive coach at, at Darden and there's this, you know, this gal and she's very accomplished in her own right. And, uh, she goes, what, why do you want to go work for like a big box store kind of thing? That's what she called yeah. it. I go, well, I go, you know, from what I've done in the military, I go, there's a certain esteem. I'm attached to this organization. I go, you know, like it or not, like it, you know, has a label. You're attached to the organization. You get that same kind of credibility and, and what have you. And she's like, yeah, screw that. Go your own way. Kind of thing. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, yeah. And I will tell you, I've always, um, I've always been so proud of my friends. I'm, I'm still great friends with a lot of uh, people I grew up with that are professional photographers or musicians. Like I'd look at like you two as a band. Yeah. They're incredible. The world didn't care if these young kids from, you know, Ireland could make it or not, but they were them and they just went out and they were so creative and so awesome. The world is like, we want to pay attention to you. Same thing with like photographers or, you know, like how many photographers do you think there are in the world? But all of a sudden this one, like, Oh, you want to seek this person out and do this thing and all that. So, for me, I think maybe creating military mobility was that kind of, I'm going to create my own, as I call it, like a, you know, inspirational home for higher learning amongst the veteran community. Like it's going to be in my own mold in my own way. And we're going to run things like, like that, how it, I think it should be ran. So that's a little bit of, of, of you know, getting that kind of outlet um, and having that courage, I guess, in, in a way. Yeah. There's a thing in there that I want to mention, which is people talk about talent, right? And there's a, we praise talent in our society. These days. You hear it all the time, like, oh, you're so talented. And I was, I'm always like, why is, why would you praise someone for that? You're, you know, you're praising them for something they apparently were born with. It's like praising them for their skin color or their 
gender or something like this is just weird. And yet we just accept that as like, oh yeah, you do that. You, you, we should be like proud of how talented you are. And the reality is it's like, is talent a thing? Yeah, it definitely is. People are, to your point, have a gift for doing certain things. However, the people that become really good at whatever it is, they put in a ton of work, regardless of their talent level. Eddie Van Halen was probably a really gifted guitarist, but he played guitar eight hours a day, every day of his life because he loved it and he loved the process and he didn't really care. I don't think he, I'm sure he dreamed of being a rock star, but it wasn't about this like end state. It was just, I love playing this thing that's in front of me. And I, and if the world were on fire and the zombie apocalypse was happening, I would be here with my guitar still playing it. Right. Uh, Stephen Pressfield talks about that in the war of art. He, he, he talks about other people. He doesn't mention Eddie Van Halen. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, if he was the last person on earth, he would go to the gym and lift weights, right? That's his (laughs) thing. And, and I think the challenge for a lot of us is once we're past something we were passionate about, where do we find a new thing? And I find myself struggling in this regard right now. It's a little bit of, there's things I'd like to do for sure. I like to your point, I like playing guitar. I like playing piano now, which I've been trying to learn for the last three and a half years. But it's hard to find a passion. Like if someone asked me what you're, what I'm passionate about, I don't know. In fact, I've been asked this question recently and I'm like, I don't really know right now. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Like what are you – or is that something you do inside military mo- mobility is like ask that question directly and have guys try to it, dig in it on is, it? Yeah. This podcast is a lot of what goes on. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I think the it's it's um the magic happens in the moments in between things. It's in the twenty minutes when you're getting the vehicle geared up to head out. <clears throat> it's the you know it's a few minutes before dinner, sitting down over you know over the meal. Yes, you're doing these crazy things. We did the Rubicon Trail, or you did this, or did this. Or we had a jet boat ride. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the, these type of very open conversations, I think that's what make people feel like they're, they're, they're not isolated, that everyone kind of understands this. And that's, we're largely grabbing veterans from you were a Green Beret or a this guy or a helicopter pilot or a mechanic or whatever in the military. Because everybody's kind of clickish about this is what I was. And then we're going, well, we're all just veterans. That's what we do. We're all veterans and where we're pushing them to is like, you're all just people like your new team is your family. So if you're asking me what I'm passionate about, and it's nothing like, I guess I should brag about it. I'm passionate about my family. Now I don't have the best handle on being awesome. I'm like, every day's a struggle. I'm like, Oh, I feel like I'm failing constantly. Right right there with Uh, you, brother. That's okay. But um, I mean, I, if I had to, it, it, it's hard because I can't sit here and look you in the eye and go like, oh, I'm making a million dollars off it or this or that or whatever. But like getting, you know, us being gone for so long, getting to wake up in the house with my my kids and, you know, get to, I want to not even, I was going to say teach them things, which I do all the time. But my wife has told me not everything's a teaching moment because I just want to train them. That's a true trainer mentality there. Just letting it happen. Right. Cause I'm like, yeah. Oh, there's so much stuff you need to know, but just enjoying the process and just, you know, goofing off with them, whether it's a Nerf war or downstairs or we go on a bike ride or we go skiing, like we might go this afternoon. Um, and I, Chris, I, 
not a conscious thought, but I, I hope that all our buddies, I think about Nate Hardy a lot and Kevin Houston and all these guys that I just love so much and I miss so much that us getting to spend time with our families, they would, they'd be proud and they'd, they'd want that, you know? So I, I'm sure that I, I'm careful to put uh, a lot of attention towards that. Yeah, no, I'm big on that, man. I think a lot about fallen guys and like what, what makes their sacrifice worth it. Right. And it's, and I don't think it's anything about the actual wars we fought. I think it's, we have to live our best lives. Like that's why it's important that we can, we just make the most of our days and stay here. Right. And put the energy into our families and our communities and, and potentially still our country in certain ways, because like that makes the sacrifice of those guys worth it. That's what they would want, right? They don't, they wouldn't want us to spend a lot of time mourning them or drinking ourselves to death or anything like that. Right. They want it to be like, dude, you know, be grateful for the family that you have and the people around you and the opportunity to be here and go do something with it. Right. Like that's, that's how we honor their sacrifice. That, you know, mobility aspect of the veterans come here. We kind of have this, you know, we come together. Um, and we've also ran, um, uh, we had veterans with their kids. We did it on the Rubicon Trail, which is really awesome. We're talking with folks about helping us support a uh, Gold Star spouses course and then all, you know, all children's courses for, um, you know, children of deceased service members. They come together, kind of get energized and maybe get some focus. The, you know, I've noticed a lot of veterans have difficulty, you know, in in communicating or, or talking with their kids sometimes. Um and there's just so much to this outdoor therapy environment and you don't have to go on these big fancy trips. Um, I mean, maybe you go on one camping trip a year for a weekend at your local state park, that's 10 minutes away, but you can teach your daughter how to change the oil in, in the vehicle yeah. and you can um, teach your son about how to, how to go from A to B on a map, how to use, whether it's a paper map or a, a thing here, there's all these kind of inherent things and it can lead up towards something like a culminating event and you're practicing, you know, timelines. And now, and what we've essentially done, I, I've kind of taken the best parts that I thought about the military, you know, best parts of, of war without war that like, I enjoy preparedness. I enjoy being the pro for the, you know, the environment and the elements and, getting a timeline going and, you know, the, the medical aspect to it or technical stuff. We're going to be doing climbing or winching. Here's how to tie the knots. My kids are, you know, tying knots and all that type of stuff. But there's so many things you can do that don't cost any money. Um, and it helps maybe give you some structure to the conversations you're having with your kids to help share those moments. Cause I've noticed a lot of veterans want to have that intimate experience with them, but many of them maybe don't know how. Um, and yeah. they just feel like they, you know, they've been away and they've been this person for so long how do I fall into being a mom or, or a dad and connecting with them like that? So we're helping want, with that. I want to ask you a question. You mentioned this way back in the beginning of the conversation. You said a lot of those things that guys go do or people go do now, whether it's fishing or hunting or whatever, is basically a distraction versus what you're doing. What is that distinction in your mind between an activity that's just a distraction, which I sort of interpret as essentially you're avoiding what you want to think about or avoiding your problems, right? Versus doing something that is intentional. That's actually helping you move past that or move through it or process it or whatever. Where's that line drawn? Yeah. um, I I don't think the veterans themselves, like if, uh, you know, 
Johnny Rockets going hunting on his own, that he's doing a distraction. I mean, that's probably a case by case thing on the individual. As I looked at programs in the nonprofit world, it, it they didn't seem to have a lot of structure behind them with the, you know, it, they're doing these things in the outdoors. Yeah. Wasn't a lot of structure behind it and a lot of meaning planted. Meaning, you know, I, I've seen this, I'll, I'll use a, a parallel for some of the corporate adventure retreats that I've, I've ran. I've been that guy in years past, like they want to invite some, you know, special forces person, special operations person to come out. Um, and I'm just looking at these people who have been working so hard, white knuckle to a job, and they get this like gift of this like amazing outdoors trip, whatever it's going to be, you know, name your activity, doesn't matter. And when they get back home, it almost makes them, it has the opposite effect of what their, you know, their kind of boss CEO intended. He wanted to give them this treat, right? But they end up being a little bit bitter and just kind of want to go and get that feeling again and go on more vacations. So my point is, if no one's there on the trip to very proactively and constructively take that energy, the adrenaline, the emotions, the enthusiasm and channel it back into the team or productivity and give you some meaningful, tangible things. When you get home, you now are clear of mind and know that you're going to focus on A, B, and C. And and you've kind of taken that time to reflect and taken a step back and you understand more about yourself and the dynamic that is your life and why you're doing these things that you've been doing and leave room to make improvements and all that where, you know, a lot of the things, and again, I don't want to speak ill of other programs. These are my observations alone. It's just like, hey, come on out and we're going to have a blast. And like having a blast is fun. I want to do that too. Sure. But you don't know what you did or why you did it. You just did it and you knew that it was awesome because you're distracted from your own problems at home. And you get back home and it's like, ah, maybe it's, you know, it's the, you know right. maybe the problems are almost bigger. You, you might feel good for a half day and then life creeps in again, right? Yep. Yeah. So we're, we're the whole time we're doing this, we're focusing on all these other things. So it's not so much the action of, of, of what we're doing right there. It's how we're translating that and relating it towards your life. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the difference in my mind is intention. Whereas something like a vacation is great. And that's obviously therapeutic and valuable, like just decompress, right? Just unplug, unwind, have fun, whatever it may be. And it's not, there's not a healing necessarily that's going along with that other than literally just take, take some of the weight off my shoulders. But what you're doing is there's an intention behind it, right? Like this, it's a proactive engagement working through things. It can be super fun, but there's an actual intention. Do you give, I don't know what the right word is, homework, so to speak, to people of, hey, beyond this, you know, experience that you guys have had together, here's here's how to bring this back into your life or follow up or, you know, integration type concept. Do you do anything like that? Yeah, well, I think in addition to just the, you know, the actually coming out for the, for the event itself, the lead up, because oftentimes, you know, we're running, you know, six of these things a year, we got a waiting list, so there might, there's a lead up to this. Um, so we're staying engaged and in touch with the veterans throughout that. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of leveraging this natural interest. A lot of them, you know, I, I say you walk on a, walk through a parking lot of a military base, you don't see a whole bunch of cars. You see a lot of, a lot of trucks, <laughs> SUVs. Yeah, that's true. And they all have these, these um, you know, enhancements to them. So we're kind of leveraging this natural interest that the veterans have. I mean, it's just the medium to deliver the curriculum, right? 
Um, and, you know, I think they're, they know they're being given a, a good deal coming out on these, these, these really remarkable trips and all that. And it's kind of like, Hey, Moab's going to be pretty hot out here in, in August. Why don't you, you know, cut back in the booze. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess I'm leveraging this where a veteran is, is usually okay with letting themselves down, but they don't want to let down the team. Mm, absolutely true. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think that, you know, I think that's an important step because we're reinvigorating that commitment to the team again, where they're willing to kind of take that step and maybe go outside their comfort zone. All the things I did in the military, right, was for the team. There might have been days like, I don't want to do, oh man, my neck hurts. I got a 90 pound ruck and it's a nighttime job. Like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> like, Yeah. That's a really good, I tell you what, that's a really good insight that I've not thought of yet. That idea of guys, people, veterans, and again, probably applies to a lot of other professions, similar professions. They're okay with, to your point, letting themselves down, but not letting other people down. And that probably contributes to that idea after the fact of, I'm just not going to face up to my own issues to some extent, right? And, the, yeah, and you have that's to- why it's easy. Yeah, yeah. It, it relates back to what you were saying about, you can do all this fancy stuff at work, but you're working on yourself and you can't. Yeah, yeah. And you have to realize that you're letting yourself down if you don't kind of assess yourself, so to speak, and be honest with yourself, right? Like ultimately, it, well, I should say, by by doing that, you're ultimately letting other people down, right? Like if you frame it in that way, because if you, if you don't care about letting yourself down, then it doesn't matter. But the point is like you're actually letting – if that matters to you more, then you're actually letting other people down, probably the people that are closest to you. And that's really what should matter to you, right? And, and maybe you know, it's not so apparent maybe at times. So we're, we're kind of you know getting them in this environment, this trusted, you're comfortable, you start opening up. Everybody's kind of rolling things around. Uh, and I'll tell you that right now, I learned as much from these veterans coming through here that we're-, we're Oh, out. I'll bet. Yeah, I'm sure uh, it's super- The that we have is just amazing, just dropping the pearls of wisdom. And to sit there in a room of, of maybe a guy that's getting out of the military in six months, somebody who's been out of the military for one year, five years, 10 years, and them just going, oh yeah, and another thing, and this and that and the other thing. I'm like, oh, this is great. I just sit back there and watch this. Do you have- it. To that point, do you have like a, a story from one of your experiences there, like one of your, you know, courses that you have where somebody had like a huge breakthrough or there was just a huge transformation with folks or with somebody? Yeah, there's been several. Oh, boy. There was one, this just jumped in my head. Uh, it, was a, it was a local person um, that went through our curriculum it was actually the snowmobiling course that we did last year at, outside Jackson hole at, at, at Tobity. Um, and I'll just jump ahead to the end result. I was in Walmart food shopping. It's like where we have the food store here in our town. <laughs> it says a lot um, about you. <laughs> yeah. It's just what we got. And, uh, That's funny. I was going through and I had the military mobility shirt on and, um, this woman and ended up being the veteran's grandmother. Mm. Kind of stopped me in the aisle and was like, "Oh, are you such and such?" And I go, "Yeah, we're we do this." She goes, "Oh, my um, my grandson just recently went through this, you know, named his name." I go, "Oh, I know." She started tearing up and gave me like a huge hug, and just told me how he's a different person now, and different meaning in, in positive ways. Obviously, um, yeah, he had he had you know come in the military 
had some very traumatic experiences. And he, he did a great testimonial video, which I'll, I'll share with you. Maybe we could do a link or something like that if you wanted to. But um, he had a hard time of it. Um, and he's still now, now we're well past a year, um, is just an inspirational, incredible. And he, he always was, but he was dealing with some dark stuff and, and dealing with stuff. He, I mean, vibrantly looks better. <laughs> um, Health-wise, his skin looks better. He's just like more vibrant. Um, and I'm not trying to say that we did that all on his own, but I think we did it together, right? With him wanting to take that step and, and looking for an outlet of how and us being able to help enable some of that um, was just incredible. And there's been another time we were in Moab, <clears throat> we were sitting around the campfire, um, myself and another instructor went to go take a piss off the campfire and walked out there and my buddy turns to me, he goes, you know, we're saving this kid's life, right? He had, the kid had just opened up about suicide. Mm. And it was a big step and everybody was just kind of the collective, you could feel it right there. Um, it was just really healthy. Um, a lot of healing was taking place right there. Um, and that's what, you know, I, I, we as a staff strive to create a, a genuine environment more than anything else, uh, for all the people that are, are coming through there. Um, so yeah, it, and, and that is like, that pumps me up. And I just absolutely love it. So, um, but yeah, I guess just kind of round it out. We stay in touch with the veterans throughout the process coming in and then on the backside as well. Yeah, we do social media and all this stuff. We've been doing Zoom calls too because we have veterans from all over the place and local ones will meet up. Now they know each other. They're in the same town. They're grabbing coffee and going on joint camping trips with their families and all that type of stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's been awesome. What's the future look for you guys? Look like for you guys, right? Like, Or what's the... Yeah. Do you have a, a goal, right? What's the, if you could fast forward X amount of years and it's like, we did it, we made it. What does that look like for you? <laughs> We'd like to grow, but I'm very careful about slow growth and not trying to do too much too fast. I'd like to be able to offer a lot more at our programs. Of course, this comes with cost of funding, you know. Um, so we're focusing right now on creating strategic relationships with organizations and foundations and donors that can help enable us to do that, to kind of have some legs to us to, to make some of these investments. Um, and then to your point that we were discussing earlier, moving towards salaried positions, you know, fair and commiserate type stuff, but, you know, maybe be able to have more pe periodic trips because I want to serve more veterans which would mean, hey, you're now on staff, whether it's part time or the people are getting paid per trip or or whatever. You know, we're, we're taking a look at all that. Um, and I think that would allow us to be more effective. Um, another thing we've been discussing is while we're using these national forests and public lands to run our events is getting a location which would really save us a, an efficiency on you know setting things up and breaking things down and, and maintenance on everything. Um, so like perhaps some type of small ranch, you know, adjacent to a public land or something where we can kind of have people coming in, you're set up at the bunkhouse, the other people are flying out or heading out on a trip or maybe even running two courses at once, right? Something like that um, would just be really interesting. Um, and it would take a lot of the backside schlep away yeah. from it, right? Whenever you watch a, a movie about Navy SEALs, they're always doing cool stuff. They never never show Charlie Sheen picking up brass, right? Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But there's a lot of maintenance. Like right now, these weeks we've been, I've been working on the trucks like crazy. Um, there's just so much maintenance and things on the backside and repairs to equipment and, and all that. So 
that's kind of where we're, we're looking at for the next few years. Nice. Anything else you want to hit on, man? We're at like an hour 10 here. I feel like we've yeah. covered a lot of ground. Any yeah, topics? Yeah, it's been incredible. No, I'm just, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Uh, another platform to kind of get the word out about what we're doing. If any veterans have, have interest, you go to militarymobility.com. Um, you can submit an application for free on there and we'll, we'll be in touch with you. Um, we also have a very small social media presence. I'm kind of torn about that. I, I, I don't have any personal ones and I, I kind of wouldn't, I don't know. We're, we're trying to help out with some of the exposure by, by having that, um, so, but you, you get it, I guess what I'm getting at is you can get an idea, you can watch some videos or pictures and kind of see what's, what's going on to, if the conversation doesn't help you kind of round out a bit more about our experience. Yeah. And you've got really good content. Like some of the videos you have on there are awesome. So wow, thank you. Really well put together. Yeah. Um, well, cool. I appreciate your time, Chris. has been incredible. Oh yeah, brother. Always good to catch up. You look, look good. Great hearing from you. Appreciate all the insight. And I will say it's super inspirational too, what you're doing. I think even from like people that don't want to necessarily or can't for whatever reason go on one of your trips um, or one of your experiences, like what you've done personally, again, to sort of find a new North star post-military, I think is super inspirational to people. And hopefully they can, they can go out and do the same type of thing for themselves. You know, it's great. So. All right. Thank you. Awesome, brother. Really appreciate it. Till next time. All right. We'll see you. See you, bro. 